0: symbol of excellence in sports entertainment turn it on and rip the knob off
1: Hey guys, and welcome back to the Wrestling Memory Grenade, episode 94, as we begin the month of September TV for the World Wrestling Federation in 1987, and as always, I am your host, Ray Russell, and apologies in advance, guys, this week for my voice, had a fairly severe allergy attack this past weekend, hay fever, or whatever you want to call it, started Saturday, played hell on my sinuses, which was new territory for me. Not fun, guys, but uh, I'm like 90% recovered now, and it's not going to stop me from getting another week of fun in here on The Grenade. Now, if I had to record this on Saturday, it would have been a completely different story. I was pretty much useless sitting on my couch for most of the afternoon and into the night. Uh, But a reminder, guys, you can listen to the Wrestling Memory Grenade and our sister shows, like Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, it's Raw vs. Nitro, as we chronicle the entire Weekly breakdown of the Monday Night War right now in the month of August in 1996. Coming out of that Hog Wild pay-per-view and headed into SummerSlam over on the WWF side of things. You can also listen to the Regional Wrestling podcast where we talk the territories. Most recently on Regional Wrestling, just dropped the latest episode of the Georgia 1981 Project with guest co-host Jamie Warden. Upcoming this week, spoiler alert guys. Going to drop another episode of the Mid-South Wrestling Project covering 1986 in the Mid-South Territory. And this episode, Mid-South Wrestling becomes the Universal Wrestling Federation. The UWF is born, and I'm going to cover that with guest co-host Roman Gomez along for the ride there. You can listen to all of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met. From Apple to Spotify, Google and beyond. And you can follow me on social media, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow me on social media for all the latest goings on here at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And make sure you also subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can find me there at youtube.com slash grenade, uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. And most recently, there on YouTube, I've added more of the 1987 WWF fun, more 1986 Mid South UWF TV was also added to the channel to move along with the Mid South 86 project over there on the regional wrestling podcast. Also added just yesterday. A month before he debuts for the World Wrestling Federation, it's King Kong Bundy, Dracula Cape and all, battling WWF champion Hulk Hogan for the New Japan promotion back in February of 1985. So subscribe today, youtube.com slash wrestling grenade. And at this time, I want to give a heartfelt thank you to all of the loyal listeners of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, and of course, to all the patrons who enable me to keep this network up and running for all of us to enjoy. And speaking of which, if you do enjoy all of the work and time and effort that I put in here on the Podcast Network and want to help me out by enabling me to continue all of these great shows here on the WrestleCopia brand, now would be a fantabulous time to become a WrestleCopia patron. And You can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com Slash wrestle, C O P I A, multiple tiers to choose from. I'm only asking you to give it a try at that $5 all access tier. Includes all sorts of gifts for just $5. To show my thanks to you, you receive all of my insanely detailed book like show notes, pages upon pages of research and reviewing for every episode of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast you also get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. For instance, the upcoming episode of Regional Wrestling with Roman, where we tackle more of March of 1986 in the Mid-South Territory, dropped a week early for patrons only, guys. Just an example. So early access, plus remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, covering the 1989 NWA project, talking Funk. Flare, Steamboat, Sting, Luger, and so many more. Yes, remastered versions, including enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the shows. But that's not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. Lots of people giving me a big thumbs up, Ray, for those digital downloads. Everyone enjoying the digital downloads there as part of my Patreon account. But it doesn't end there. Of course, you'll also receive our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more, plus random bonus video drops, newspaper clippings. You never know what I'm going to add there to that all-access tier. And you get all of that for the low, low price of just $5. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcast shows Patreon exclusive watch alongs remastered episodes with new content added in digital downloads random bonus videos news clippings and so much more for just $5 no subscription cancel anytime show your support give it a try for a month i think you'll like the content all the content that i offer there and every penny of it guys goes right back here into paying the bills for the Wrestlecopia podcast network so please if you have a few bucks to spare Perhaps you're looking to support a new venture here in the podcasting world? If you can, give it a try. Help me pay some of the bills to keep the WrestleCopia podcast network up and running for the months and the years to come. And now, guys, with all of that out of the way, it's time to jump into September of 1987, WWF-TV here this week, and we kick things off with the September 5th edition of the Superstars of Wrestling. All right, and away we go. September 5th, Superstars, taped back August 26th, so fairly fresh set of tapings here. Fresno, California, and the Celland Arena. It's Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno San Martino on commentary. As we head off to the ring, Jake the Snake Roberts taking on Dusty Wolf, and Jake already in the ring to start the show, looking bloated here, a little rough. Looking rough here is Jake the Snake. As the match gets going on commentary, Vince McMahon says that Jesse Ventura wonders what's in the bag, but the body... Showing Vince up here, saying he doesn't wonder what's in the bag. He knows what's in there. What do you think? I just sat down here this week, McMahon. Tell him, Jesse. So the match gets going, and Dusty Wolf hip-tossing the snake to start, and then running his fingers through his hair like he's Ric Flair. A little cocky here. This Dusty Wolf, perhaps a little too cocky, as he runs into a snake knee lift, and then from there, DDT chants begin for the crowd, as Jake begins to work Dusty's leg extensively here, Something different from the Snake Man. And then Roberts with a Facebuster, Bulldog and the DDT. Going to finish the action. Three minutes and 33 seconds. And the DDT was super over here. We heard the chants throughout the match and the pop it got when it was finally delivered. Amazing. And of course, a little Damien post-match here for Dusty Wolf as we move on. Up on the brand new WWF platform, the stage, is Craig George standing by, introducing the Doctor of Style Slick. And for some reason, Nikolai Volkov along by his side. And Slick is out here to announce his latest acquisition. He says, he is mine, mine, all mine, brother. Talking about Bam Bam Bigelow. But instead, it's Oliver Humperdinck showing up in a jacket that makes him look like he belongs in the Emerald City and the Land of Oz. And Humperdinck informing Slick that he is out here to introduce Bam Bam Bigelow instead. And out he comes. And based on the crowd response, the WWF has done a really good job of building up the Bammer here because he gets a good reception here for never even appearing in a ring yet. And here it is, guys, the first time in front of the fans, it's Bam Bam Bigelow as the Slickster welcomes Bigelow out here, who doesn't seem to be too pleased with the doctor of style. Bigelow staring down the Slickster as he steps up into his face to let him know, you are not my manager which receives a big pop from the crowd. Bammer then informs Slick and his commie friend to get out of his face right now. And these comments upset Volkov, who refers to Bigelow as an ugly American. Nikolai goes on to say that he can take Bammer out anytime, place. Bigelow responds, oh yeah, how about right now? And then Bigelow unloading, blasting Volkov straight off the platform here, and the Slickster and Volkov bail as Bigelow then proclaims Oliver Humperdinck his manager. So after teasing a heel run for weeks here with Bam Bam Bigelow, who was going to be his manager, we saw the five heel managers up on the screen eliminated one by one, the swerve pays off as the fans pop loud here, solidifying Bam Bam Bigelow as a babyface now aligned with manager Oliver Humperdinck. So Bigelow has arrived, manager in tow, Can't wait to see him in the ring. Speaking of the ring, we're back to the ring. Six-man tag team action featuring the Hart Foundation teaming with Dangerous Danny Davis, Jimmy Hart in their corner, taking on the trio of Brady Boone, Jimmy Powers, and Paul Roma as Vince sells this as Davis's first televised wrestling match. So I guess we're ignoring the house show matches that aired on TV, including primetime, but that's fine, Vince. So at this point, Danny Davis worked WrestleMania three. And more than five months later, he's making his quote-unquote TV debut. And as the match gets going, we had an insert promo here from Jimmy Hart. He dedicates his brand new song on the Pile Driver album, Crank It Up, to Danny Davis. How about that? As Davis wants to start the match, hold me back, guys, hold me back. Davis trying to lunge at his opponents as the Hart Foundation comically have to quote-unquote hold him back. But it is, in fact, the former referee, Davis, who finally does start the matchup with Jimmy Powers. Powers running the rope, but running right into Anita the Gut from Danny Davis, who takes control. Very impressive start here by Dangerous Danny. And then from there, Bret Hart tagging in and dodging a Paul Roma reverse body block dropping down out of the way to keep the heels in control of the future Young Stallions and Brady Boone. And then from there, the Hart Foundation working over Roma and finally tagging back into Danny Davis, who immediately misses an elbow drop and comically tags right back out before Roma can do anything to him. And eventually, we wind up with Brady Boone in the ring for the first time with Danny Davis, and Boone goes to town on the former official, but Bret Hart stops a cover, clocking Boone from behind, leading to the Hart Foundation and Powers and Roma going at it. Meanwhile, with the two teams battling it out, Danny Davis behind the referee has locked in the Boston Crab on Brady Boone, who submits. How about that? It took a little help, but Davis manages to score a submission win here with a Boston Crab, three minutes and 11 seconds. Undefeated here on Syndicated TV now is Dangerous Danny Davis. As the show continues on, remember it wasn't too long ago, Kim Batera injuring that right arm of his tearing a tendon. Ugh, no fun. We're off to this brief Kim Batera promo. When I
2: returned to the World Wrestling Federation, I anticipated lumps and bumps, and a lot of bruises, and a lot of pain, a lot of agony. I'm going to tell you, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and the rest of your goon squad, I never anticipated a busted up arm that
1: required a lot of surgery and a lot of time to heal, but I'm going to promise you one thing, I'll get even. Okay, and so in this promo, guys, Kim Batera showing off his arm injury, it's in a cast or a brace or whatever, blaming Bobby Heenan and the Heenan family for the injury and promising to get even. Uh, Kenny, last I checked, Tom Stone, wasn't in the Heenan family. But nevertheless, a quick 20-second promo there. Patera basically letting everyone know that he will be back and look for more revenge on the Heenan family. It's going to be a couple of months before Patera's return to the ring, as we do now return to the ring to see Don Morocco take on Tim Patterson. And more changes around the promotion as we see the babyface debut of Don Morocco here on TV, who is introduced by the Fink as the magnificent Morocco, but immediately corrected by Vince McMahon on commentary, repeatedly referring to Morocco as The Rock. And during the match, we get an insert promo from former partner Cowboy Bob Orton, who is clearly still gunning for Don Morocco here. And I'd say the nickname Rock makes a lot of sense here, as the Magnificent One is becoming a rock of steroids. He is looking jacked here heading into the fall of 87, and it's going to continue to grow. If I remember correctly, Morocco busting out a dropkick, however, and sending Patterson to the outside, only to suplex him back in from the apron. From there, it's a swinging neckbreaker, a power slam, and the tombstone pile driver. Morocco making the cover. Rest in peace, Tim Patterson. Don Morocco scores the win. Two minutes and six seconds. Up next, we're off to update with Craig DeGeorge, going to talk a little bit more about the firing of one Bobby the Brain Heenan from Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. We're going to hear from The Brain along with ravishing Rick Root. Who do you think you are, Orndorff? Who do you think you are firing me like that, trying to embarrass me? What I've done for
2: you? Well, let me tell you something. Get a look at this man. Look at this body. No, on second thought, don't show him
3: nothing because I want you to remember something. If it's not this man that takes care of you, it'll be one member of the Bobby Heenan family. You know, if a terrorist gets out of the hospital, there's always room for more.
4: All right,
5: that's not to be taken lightly. After all, we have seen Mr. Heenan create some very uneven situations with his family members in the past. And very often, humiliation
1: spurs revenge. With Update, I'm Craig DeGeorge. So there was Bobby Heenan along with his latest find, ravishing Rick Root. Who do you think you are, Paul Orndorff? Making a mockery of Bobby Heenan, the Heenan family, revenge is in the mind of the brain here. As we head off to more dog tips this week from the British Bulldogs, apparently. This week, they encourage you to take your dogs to the veterinarian. Make sure they have dog tags and get their annual shots. So the dog tips continue on TV as the Bulldogs continue to be just about as inhumane to poor Matilda as possible behind the scenes. Or so the stories go. And then back to the ring, Killer Khan, Mr. Fuji in his corner, taking on Mike Starr here as we see the thrust kick. Green mist, a backbreaker, and the diving knee drop, this time from the middle rope. So, Killer Khan giving up on that top rope, at least for now. Diving knee off the middle rope this week, going to give Killer Khan the win in one minute and 45 seconds. And I felt like they had a great angle on the snake pit to sell Khan for Hogan on the house shows. And I felt they did a good job having Killer dominate these job guys every week on TV and continue to get that mist gimmick over as well because it played a big part in the finishes of the Hogan matches. But with the Hogan matches now finishing up on the house shows, I don't know where you go next with Killer Khan. A very one-dimensional character with such a small moveset. Up next, guys, another soundbite for you. I pulled this one from a recent edition of Primetime Wrestling. It's Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Jesse the Body Ventura.
0: Well, Gorilla Monsoon, you have the privilege of working with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Got quite a moth on him. And I've got a special guest for you. As a matter of fact, an old friend... Only one of a kind. Jesse the Body, Ventura, San Diego, California. Welcome back to Primetime Wrestling you got quite a movie career going for yourself, don't you?
5: That's right. i got a great movie career going for me, me, and Gene, but I'm here to talk wrestling. I'm here to talk primetime wrestling and to tell the truth once and for all why Jesse the Body is not on primetime wrestling anymore.
0: Okay, let's hear it. What's you your side of the it? story? Yeah. It
5: should be me and Bobby the Brain Heenan hosting primetime wrestling, but Gorilla Monsoon, you think that I'm not on your ploy? You think I don't know what you did, that you got that politician producer Nelson Swigler right in your back pocket you're the one monsoon i was too smart for you i was too good for you on that show i was stealing the ratings and i had all the women chasing me it's monsoon who's responsible for me not being on prime time wrestling and i just want to warn you bobby the brain heenan that it might happen to you what you shaking your finger about?
0: Did, did, did you get? Did you were? Actually, were you actually fired, Jesse? I heard rumors, but I, I want to get you to confirm it.
5: No, I was not fired. I was asked to resign. You know how that goes hmm. in the political world. I think
0: I've heard that one yeah, before. Yeah, you know
5: they did kind of the same thing to Gary Hart. You know, you 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 have too many women around you. People get jealous. Gorilla Monsoon, he ain't had a woman look at
0: him in 20 years. You know, Jesse, I may as well admit it. I seen you recently at one of those big. Uh, I don't know, a press party or something. Yes, for the big Schwarzenegger movie, Predator. And I saw there must have been six or eight women hanging on you. Hanging all over me, Gene, and I'll tell you what, you know what it is? I they just it...
5: want to touch my
0: sweat. That's not it. They're too old to stand up on their own. I oh, saw them. I saw them. You had the, you had the you old blue hair. You must be one of Swaggler's friends, too, aren't you? No way, Jesse yeah. Ventura. Gorilla, we're going to be back to you in more action after this.
1: So Jesse blaming Grilla Monsoon for replacing him with Bobby Heenan on primetime because Jesse says he was all the ratings on the show and now warning the brain, he could be next to be cut from the show, putting over Bobby Heenan. It should be Jesse Ventura and Bobby Heenan hosting primetime wrestling. That would be interesting, at least for a week. Gene having some fun here with Ventura in a throwaway segment. As we head back to the ring, it's the macho man, Randy Savage. Miss Elizabeth in his corner taking on Tiger Chung Lee as Ventura continues to state that the Macho Man is getting soft for letting Elizabeth walk in front of him, as Vince continues to fawn over the lovely Elizabeth, and the crowd popping huge here for Macho Man, and what do you know, Savage even working a heel preliminary worker here in Tiger Chung Lee, as we get an insert promo from Elizabeth who disagrees with the recent comments made by the Honky Talk man from last week. Remember, Honky said that he was the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Elizabeth disagrees with that. She believes it's Randy Savage. Plus, she doesn't really like Honky's style. Uh Uh-oh. I fear for a rebuttal here. And more fun commentary throughout this matchup is the man who tells it like it is, Ventura, calling out both Vince McMahon and Bruno Sammartino for putting over Macho Man this week, jumping on his bandwagon all of a sudden after shitting on him for the past two years. And I quote from the body, Bruno, you physically attacked that man referring to Sam Martino grabbing hold of the Macho Man, choking him down after that incident just about a year ago with Ricky's Steamboat. But thank you, Jesse, calling these announcers out who, who jump from shaming a guy to putting him over simply because they're making a babyface turn. Jesse Ventura acknowledging what we can see at home happening, and I love him for it. As uh, Back to the action, Tiger Chung Lee with some generic striking offense here, but Savage slamming Tiger off the top rope, and the flying elbow drop going to get the win two minutes and 44 seconds and it's been fun watching more and more fans cheer for savage with each passing month here in 1987 the gradual turn has been done so well but at first it was gorilla on prime time kind of putting over savage and now bruno and vince making it very clear the macho man headed towards a full-time fan favorite as up next we get another vtr from jimmy hart and the intercontinental champion honky tonk man Some of you didn't hear what I said last week when I said I was the greatest intercontinental heavyweight champion of all
6: time. Some of the former champions are a little bit upset, I understand. Namely, macho man Randy Savage. Well, let me tell you this, macho man. You can't wrestle as good as I can, and you
1: can't sing, and you sure can't dance like the Hulk. And some of us didn't hear him last week. And those who did, well, some of the former champions, IC champions, are upset at the comments made by the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Specifically, the Macho Man Randy Savage. So, Honky Tonk Man reiterating, Savage isn't near as good of a wrestler as Honky Tonk is. Why, he can't even sing or dance. The Honky Tonk Man is better. The Honky Tonk Man is the greatest. Poor choice of last words here. Honky Tonk Man all but asking for a Macho Man response. And I have to imagine, it won't be pretty. As the show rolls on, we hear from Rick Derringer again, the singer of the upcoming demolition theme, as well as rock and roll hoochie-coo with Mean Gene. Of course, Derringer here talking about that pile driver album. It's good shit, pal. As we're back to the ring, one final match up here this week on TV here for Superstars. It's the Killer Bees taking on Steve Lombardi and Iron Mike Sharp. And per the usual, the Bees getting the closing match on the show to act as filler while the announcers use the segment to sell an angle. And here they talk about the Bam Bam Bigelow Slick segment from earlier in the show. Ventura thinks the squatty little fat troll, Oliver Humperdinck, in his words, will be paying some dues after what happened earlier here on the show. As Vince says, we will hear from the Doctor of Style and Nikolai Volkov, who have apparently issued a challenge to Bam Bam Bigelow. We're going to hear from them at the end of the program here. As the bees with quick tags in the offense early, Brunzel trying for a figure-four leg lock on Lombardi, but Iron Mike Sharp coming in clubbing Brunzel with his questionable forearm brace, and the heels... Going to take over on the offense briefly, but Brunzel finally able to make the hot tag out to B. Brian Blair, who takes on both men, nailing Sharp with the bee sting and then scooping Sharp up into a bear hug for a Brunzel drop kick. I guess the bees version of a heart attack there. Brian Blair playing the anvil, scooping Sharp up in the bear hug. But instead of a hitman clothesline, Brunzel getting that high jump in with that drop kick and the bees going to score the win four minutes and 13 seconds. As we're off to yet another Mean Gene Oakland promo this week, also grabbed from a recent edition of Primetime, Mean Gene standing by with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase.
0: All right, I thank you, Gorilla Monsoon. I noticed a couple of weeks back that nice gift that you presented, Bobby Heenan. Very appropriate. A gold brick, just in case you didn't know. Here is a gentleman who is at the World Wrestling Federation. At man, oh man alive, does he have tongues wagging, people talking, Virgil, come on in, along with the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. You're throwing that that money around, Ted DiBiase, at an incredible rate. How long does it last?
7: As long as I want it to, Mean Gene, because with enough money, and believe me, I've got all that I need, I can do anything I want. I can have anything I want. I can buy anything or anybody that I want. Now, for the last several weeks here in the World Wrestling Federation, I was gracious enough to let the cameras follow me around and let you people see the way that I live see the way that I spend my money and I understand that a lot of you don't like it that you're upset with that and the way that I spend my money Well, Virgil here isn't upset with the way I spend my money and if you're upset I really don't care if you want to say something to me about it or do something about it see Virgil but I'm here in the World Wrestling Federation to make a statement I can buy Anything I want, but once you've bought all of the material things that you want what's left What's left to have power and where do I find that power by climbing to the top of the ladder in the World Wrestling Federation? And the World Heavyweight title that is the ultimate goal because then I will have everything there will be nothing left for me to want or desire
0: There's one thing that you can't buy, and I think we all recognize that. That is great wrestling talent. I'll compliment you. You've got that. If I could buy a golf game, I'd be a scratch golfer. But that just doesn't happen.
7: Virgil, one thing you could buy, Gene, is a new
0: tie. Wait a minute. I can't take that. Because
7: that is disgusting.
0: I can't take that money. Thank you. Regardless of the tie, gentlemen, that's a very generous offer. Stay tuned. More primetime wrestling continues after this. Here, I can't have...
1: So there it was, a pretty generic promo there describing his character yet again as Ted DiBiase. But this was done right before he really clicked with the character this promo was taken. So Gene's saying you can't buy talent, and the one thing that DiBiase has is definitely talent in the ring. I'll have to agree with that as we close out this edition of Superstars. Closing comments from the Doctor of Style Slick and Nikolai Volkov as it's confirmed next week. Nikolai Volkov going to go one-on-one. With Bam Bam Bigelow. How's that for an in-ring debut here on TV Bigelow going after the big guns right away? And well, it finally happened. We saw it, guys, the debut of Bam Bam Bigelow, and straight away plugged into a matchup next week on TV. Sadly, yes, it is against Nikolai Volkov, but thankfully, this is a two-show story arc and not a long-term feud. Also, for those who can't read between the lines, uh-huh, it's pretty obvious at this point that the Macho Man is headed towards a feud. With the honky tonk man and a full-time babyface run. And I can't wait for the next phase in the career of the Macho Man. As we're off now to September 6th at Wrestling Challenge. <laughs> Here it is, Wrestling Challenge, September the 6th, 1987, taped back August 25th, San Francisco, California, at the Cow Palace. It's Bobby Heenan, Gorilla Monsoon on commentary, and straight away off to the ring, Intercontinental Champion, the Honky Tonk Man. Jimmy Hart in his corner, taking on Jerry Monty here, and mmm, I don't know, guys, we're in September, the Piledriver album is about to drop, if it hasn't already, but this was taped in late August, so perhaps for the last time, here on The Grenade, You know it's coming. Let's go honky-talking. All right, and here we go. Insert promo from Jimmy Hart heading into the matchup. Hart is upset that Hulk Hogan is on the cover of the new Piledriver album when it should be Jimmy Hart and the Honky Tonk Man. That does kind of make sense. I mean, they actually sing on the Piledriver album, whereas Hulk Hogan does have a line of dialogue in If You Only Knew. But hey, it's all about merchandising. Hulk Hogan, the number one seller, makes sense to me. On a business standpoint, anyway, and coming out of last week, Honky Tonk Man had made that proclamation of being the greatest IC champ as Gorilla Monsoon here on commentary says that Honky has upset everyone from Tito Santana to Pat Patterson to Tom Morocco, but especially the Macho Man Randy Savage, as we hear lots of booze here during a fairly long squash match for the Honky Tonk Man this week. As Honky unloads with a middle rope fist drop, then rolling Monty out to the floor where he slams him and elbow drops him on the outside and then back in the ring. It's the shake, rattle, and roll. Neckbreaker. Finally putting Monty away. Three minutes and nine seconds. And then post-match, Honky Tonk Man gives the people what they want. He's going to sing and dance as he once again goes Honky Tonk It. All right, so they're getting over that Macho Man, Hockey Talk Man storyline on both Superstars and Challenge there, so you absolutely know that's coming. Hockey Talk Man getting more and more heel heat by the week, if that's possible at this point. As we're off to the Battle for Bam Bam here, continues on Challenge, kind of odd. Bobby Heenan eliminated here on Wrestling Challenge this week, even though we just saw Slick eliminated and Oliver Humperdinck named manager on Superstars. But that's okay. Next week on Challenge, they're going to catch up to the finish of the Battle for Bam Bam. As we head back to the ring, tag team action with Strikeforce. Tito Santana and Rick Martel taking on Steve Lombardi and Terry Gibbs. Is Strikeforce already rocking their own t-shirts? I love it. And it's cool to still see Terry Gibbs here on TV, but he's slowly moving off the house shows down to just about doing TV jobs only. And that'll go on until the middle of 1988. So we still get some Gibbs for a little while here. As many know, he's one of my favorite enhancement talent of all time. And of course, we all know Steve Lombardi's deal, the Brooklyn Brawler, gonna notch his own legacy in wrestling history. As the Piledriver album discussion never ends here on TV, Gorilla Monsoon talking more about the upcoming record. Gorilla talks about Robbie Dupree singing Girls in Cars, says the song was made for Strike Force. I don't really know why, but okay. Gorilla says his favorite song on the album is Girls in Cars. Sure, it is, Gorilla. As we go off to an insert promo from the living legend Bruno Sammartino. What's this about? Bruno says in his entire career, he's never seen a team as good as Strike Force. Mark Bruno's words Strike Force will go all the way. The word from the living legend, guys. As it's fancy footwork in the ring by Martel early in the matchup on Terry Gibbs. And then it's Tito Santana's turn with Steve Lombardi as well. Martel back in with a nice Hurricane Rana. And then Tito having trouble briefly in the heel corner, but hot tags it out to Rick Martell, who is a house of fire with dropkicks plenty here, before Tito back in with a flying forearm on Lombardi, strike force picking up the win, 4 minutes and 15 seconds. Not really a big fan of how they've moved away from those double-team moves that Zenk and Martell were doing. Really flashy and fun double-team stuff here. And this is more Rick Martell tossing guys into the ropes, Maybe sometimes doing a drop down and then Tito coming off of that forearm, which is an awesome move. I love Tito's flying forearm and I'm, I'm buying it as a finisher, but I'd still like to see them work more together as a tag team in the ring. Not a lot of double team stuff here from Strike Force that we got with the Can-Am Connection. As we roll on, we're off to me and Gene Ogreland standing by with Ravishing Rick Rude.
0: All right, I want to introduce to you one of the great superstars, a relative newcomer to the World Wrestling Federation from Minneapolis, Minnesota. He is ravishing Rick Rude. He is the newest member of the Bobby Heenan family. Before I proceed in talking about you, Rick Rude, what about this latest blowout in the Bobby Heenan family where Paul Orndorff fired Bobby Heenan and hired Oliver Humperdinck to be his manager? Oh,
2: oh rewind that, Mr. Mouth. The way that it was is Paul Owen dwarf was kicked out of the family because he just wasn't big enough.
0: Now, wait a minute. I had heard that Bobby Heenan told me that he was going to fire Paul Orndorff three or four days before it really all came out, and then Orndorff uh, jumped the gun, I guess, and, and fired Heenan. But that's neither here nor there. Do you agree? Well,
2: I heard, little man, that you buzzed Mr. Orndorff as for the fact that he was going to be fired from the family, he didn't want to be disgraced, so he jumped a gun
0: just a little I bit. I know Bobby didn't called me a snitch. I didn't particularly care for that. Now, Ravishing Rick Rude, you're here on the World Wrestling Federation. Obviously, Bobby Heenan has made you a lot of promises, true?
2: Yes, uh, we've both made each other a lot of promises, little man.
0: What did he promise you?
2: He promises me fame and fortune. Of course, I'm already famous, and I'm already very wealthy, but there's always more money to be had. And I promised Mr. Heenan the next world champion
0: myself. Well, that's a pretty big promise now. Ravishing Rick Rude, you have got a lot of ladies uh, turning their heads around the world, around the country, around the world. And I'm very curious. You've got, a, you've got a magnificent physique. Obviously, you put a lot of work into it. I wonder if I could prevail... On you to, to show that body to our vast television audience this week.
2: Well, I better not, little man, because see hey, I minute. don't feel like being a home the
1: today. Wait a minute. And the ravishing one talks joining the Heenan family, the promises made, and of course his feud with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orn Dwarf here. Clever line by the ravishing one. As we move on, we get a replay of the Ken Patera promo from Superstars showing off that injured arm, vowing revenge on the Heenan family. And that it's back to the ring, the one-man gang. And there, with the doctor of style Slick taking on Billy Anderson as we get an insert promo from the WWF president, Jack Tunney. He says that gang's probation has ended, and he has full privileges here in the WWF once again. Whatever that means. And that didn't feel like 30 days, Jack. Are you sure about that? And let me get this straight. Straight from probation to working the WWF champion in the house shows? Only in professional wrestling. And as the gang gets going here on poor Billy Anderson, it's the typical mauling leading to the gourd buster for the finish here. Turn out the lights, the party's over. One-man gang picking up the win, two minutes and 35 seconds. As we're back to the ring, more action. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff with new manager Oliver Humperdinck taking on Rex Farmer. As we get an insert promo here from Humperdinck, stating that Mr. Wonderful clearly has the better body over ravishing Rick Rude. And of course, on commentary after that, Bobby Heenan getting upset at Mr. Wonderful and of course being prodded by Gorilla Monsoon there. So Bobby Heenan gets up and leaves commentary as we head back to the ring. Orndorff ramming Farmer into the timekeeper's table on the outside and just picks him apart in the ring as well. A baby face by storyline, but Mr. Wonderful as mean as ever in the ring as he delivers a dropkick. A running clothesline, which is the setup for the pile driver, Going to get Paul Orndorff to win, 2 minutes and 35 seconds. As we're off to yet another Mean Gene promo this time. Mean Gene standing by with leaping Lanny Poffo. Let's see if Lanny has a poem for us all.
0: All right, stay tuned for more exciting World Wrestling Federation action. Here's a man that's been rattling a few cages, has been making a little noise as of late. In the World Wrestling Federation, come on in, leaping Lanny Poffo poet laureate of the world wrestling federation this week lanny anything new from the from the poet laureate of the world wrestling federation
8: well i have been rattling a few cages and you know what i've come up with i have a poem for you and i got a poem for you
0: all right let's hear it Leap the
8: Lanny puffle now let's see what's this one gonna be about um how about one of my favorite announcers of all time
0: well who would that be
8: mean gene oakland
0: you're kidding me let's give it a go
8: it's Mr. Mean Gene Okerlund, the master of the microphone, the man whose voice has launched a million fans. For pear-shaped tones and resonance and lightning-quick rebuttals, he can hold the wrestling world in his hands. Although he uses fancy words with esoteric tendencies, he's always good for some atrocious pun. The next time he expostulates, just get your dictionary and proceed to have a plethora of fun.
0: Well, I must compliment you on your poetic acumen. Very good, Leapin' Lanny Potho. Now, what about these roughhouses? the great competition? Very high level of competition we have these days in the World Wrestling Federation. Lanny, I've never seen anything quite like it.
8: That's right, but it's all how you look at it. Now, somebody says, how do you feel when you lose? I said, I haven't lost a match in 15 years of wrestling because I call it second place. I'm a proponent of the book that I read, Tough Times Never Last, Tough People Do. I don't worry about the competition because I am the competition. I look on the bright side of everything, and I'll, well... Name something depressing. I'll cheer you up.
0: I can't name anything. Standing by you, Lanny Poffo, with a tremendous attitude attitude you have, there's nothing I can think of that would be depressing. No, I couldn't say that. Oh, go ahead. No, I can't do it. Well, just a second. Stay tuned. More exciting action right around the corner. Here's what I had in mind.
1: And indeed, he did not disappoint Lanny Poffo with a poem about mean gene, of all people. Poffo, thinking positive, he's never lost a match. He calls it second place. It's one way to look at things, Lanny. As we head back into the arena, Craig DeGeorge standing by up on the stage. He's going to be interviewing Bobby the Brain Heenan. That's why he left commentary. Heenan then bashing Paul Orndorff and Oliver Humperdinck as they leave ringside. Remember, it was Orndorff in the previous matchup. Heenan having some choice words there for Mr. Wonderful and his new manager. As Bobby then introduces the return of Andre the Giant. And here he comes, Andre, making his way out to a loud chorus of boos here by the wrestling fans. And the Giant makes it about halfway to the platform and he stops, looking around at the fans, disgusted at the reception in which he's receiving here. So Craig George, what does he do? He attempts to meet the Giant halfway and comes down off the stage. But as Craig begins to speak to the Giant, Andre turns around and walks away, back to the dressing room, disgusted by the fans and their lack of respect. Bobby Heenan then says that he warned us, Andre deserves respect and the fans will learn respect. Not going to lie, a little scared of what that might mean. Bobby Heenan vowing that the fans will learn respect for one Andre the Giant. It is clear the Giant is returning to the WWF. As we're back to the ring, quick matchup here. Brutus Beefcake over Mike Starr, nothing to it here. Sleeper Hold going to get the win, 1 minute and 57 seconds, and of course, a little strutting and cutting on Mike Starr after the matchup. As we go back for more action now, it's the Islanders of Haku and Tama, Bobby Heenan in their corner, taking on Jesse Cortez and Steve Gatorwolf. As the Islanders looking badass here in their gear, and Johnny V going to join commentary with Bobby Heenan at ringside. We get an insert promo here from Jesse Ventura. As things start out as well, we heard from Bruno during the Strike Force match, while now it's Jesse during the Islanders here. And much like Bruno put over Strike Force, it's Ventura here putting over the Islanders as the future tag team champions. In the ring, Jesse Cortez, a.k.a. Jesse Hernandez, he's been around since the mid-1970s, guys, and he's trained quite a list of wrestlers over the years on the West Coast, believe it or not. Uh, Meanwhile, Steve Gatorwolf, less said about him, the better. Or, you know what? For those who don't know this, this needs to be made public. Gatorwolf arrested back, I think in 2014, for sexual assault on a preteen child multiple times. It was said to have been like an acquaintance's daughter or something along those lines, so just absolutely disgusting. And if you want to know more, Google the scumbag. So fuck you, Steve Gatorwolf. But I digress. As I move on here, Haku with a thrust kick in the ring and stereo jumping diving headbutts on Cortez, going to give the Islanders a definitive win in two minutes and 49 seconds. And it's just too bad that Haku didn't know in 1987 what Steve Gatorwolf would do down the line. Or maybe Gator Wolf wouldn't have lived to do those crimes. Or at least maybe he wouldn't have had the appendages to do those crimes. Scum. And all right, guys, we're going to wrap up this edition of Wrestling Challenge. Got another soundbite queued up here. Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with the natural, Butch Reed.
0: All right, I've got to bring in this manager on the World Wrestling Federation. He's red hot right now. He manages Nikolai Volkov and a host of others, including the natural Butch Reed. I'm talking about, wait a minute here, the doctor of style, Slick. You got to tell me about this. Can this be felt?
9: Go ahead, brother. Touch that. Touch oh, that. Oh yeah. Huh?
0: No, currently it's not. It's so c- then cotton. So you can see exa-
9: What did you say?
0: I've just. I'm curious. How much does something like that set you back? Twelve, being Franklin, baby. Twelve hundred dollars for one suit.
9: You know who I
6: am.
0: We're well, the doctor style.
6: Exactly.
0: All right, brother. <laughs> hey, what about this Butch Reed, the natural Butch Reed? And what about this thing that he has going on with superstar Billy Graham?
9: Well, you know, superstar Billy Graham asked for it. So come on in here,
0: brother, and let him see that's what you oh, see. Brother, well, oh, take,
9: oh. God, I'm gonna get oh,
0: Exactly.
9: Take a look at
0: it, baby. All right, Butch Reed, naturally. Billy Graham and you and a body posed out here a number of weeks ago. And I don't know why what got into the minds of you and Slick when you pearl harbored the man.
9: <laughs> we well, ain't nothing in our minds that don't stay on our minds naturally. And I ain't pearl Harbored nobody. Right. The fool just didn't turn around. That's all. He knew he was gonna get cold cocked. Sooner or later, he knew he couldn't just walk in my four square circle because it's mine when I'm out there and expect me just to sit back and he, 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 skin and grin. These do my skin and grin, Billy falling Star Graham. And let me tell you something, boy. I've told you before, i told you twice. There's two things that don't last long in professional wrestling business, you understand? And that is old dogs chase cars and old broke-down wrestlers like you chasing the natural Butch Reed.
0: And now Butch, what about the way the superstar was received, though, by those fans that that uh, weekend for the yeah yeah,
9: yeah yeah well you understand anybody will give anybody a warm welcome if they ain't seen him for a long time and then when he comes back he starts timing and skinning and getting kissing on drooling babies and hugging on fat nasty women and getting all these pats on the back but see but- butch reed walks alone being slick to our own thing. We don't have to be doing all that old under-the-table work, you understand? Because we got it all natural right here. And Billy Graham, you gonna get it natural somewhere down the line, because somewhere when we meet, you can forget about the pose down, you can forget about kissing them old Julie babies, you can forget about hugging them old fat, nasty women, and you can start worrying about wrestling. Me, but I'm not gonna do no wrestling. I'll do some beating up. I'm gonna put some knuckle knots on that yeah, big ball head of yours, boy. Right.
1: You get better. Thank you I very much, gentlemen. The slick and the natural, Butch Reed. Some great lines here this week by Butch Reed. I loved them. He says he didn't back jump Billy Graham. The superstar just forgot to turn around. I wrote, ha! Great line there. And of course, referring to Billy Graham as the falling star rather than the superstar. And that'll wrap up this edition of Wrestling Challenge. So now we move on to primetime wrestling for September the 7th, 1987. primetime wrestling this week hosted by bobby the brain heenan and gorilla no gorilla monsoon nowhere to be found where's the gorilla let's listen as bobby heenan explains
3: well i'm your host bobby the brain heenan you notice now we don't have to worry about gorilla monsoon anymore seems when i lay down the law to the people and to the powers that be i get things done Another thing out here, television crew, there'll be no more breaks till I tell you so and you ship up or you shape up or you ship out. You can be walking the unemployment line with Monsoon if you're gonna have it that way. Now our feature match today are the Rougeos, The Rougeos, against the Hart Foundation for the WWF World's heavyweight title. You know, a lot of things have changed in my life now. I don't have to take any more guff from Gorilla Monsoon. I'm considering changing prime time to another night of the week. Because Mondays I'm just not up for. I party too much on the weekends. A lot of changes are going to happen. Because I'm Bobby the Brain Heenan. I'm not going to be pushed around anymore. And I'm going to select my new co-host. I'll let everybody know pretty soon who it's going to be. Be sitting right here in this chair next to me. I got my phone. Got my papers. I'm running the ship. No trouble. Our first event. Features... Tiger Chung Lee and Steve Lombardi. They're up against a new team. Everybody's talking about professional wrestling, Strike Force. First time here on primetime, Rick Martel and Tito Santana. Well, now maybe that impresses you humanoids out there. Doesn't really impress me. Everybody seems to be rather impressed with them, but I'm not. See, a lot of changes are happening. So you want to go to the first match? Let's go now. Now.
1: Now. Contest is for one fall. Say it ain't so, guys, did Bobby Heenan run the gorilla off? Have we seen the last of the monsoon brain tandem? Phew. Apparently not. Let me set the stage. Coming back from the finish of the first match, Bobby Heenan, still alone and sitting in Gorilla's chair, gets a surprise visit from a returning Gorilla Monsoon.
3: Well, there's Strike Force. Now I don't know if you're impressed or not. I'm certainly think that the team is, team is fast, they're agile, and they're just the kind of a team uh, everybody should worry about. Hey, now, what? You're what in you my chair, here? number one. You're in my chair. Now you've knocked
10: both chairs what you, over. What are you doing here? What are you doing? I'm running the show. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. It's, it's not, not working hand out on me, well, or is it? working out fine. It is. Somebody... I'd chair. like to apologize for being a little late today. I arranged for a uh, <laughs> special piece of the footage broke. about you, Brain. Sure, you destroyed the furniture?
3: It didn't break no furniture. You threw me off of it.
10: <laughs> what have you been doing since I've been gone here the last I've been handling minutes? the show. Yeah, I understand. You've got everybody upset here in the studio and everything. You've got all the personnel ready to bail out. You,
1: you just get in your chair over there where you belong. That chair over there. And the visuals here, they make this segment, but fun audio as well. Gorilla comes up behind Heenan, startling Bobby as Heenan goes falling out of his chair and the chairs go tumbling off the elevated platform there that the desk is on. So Gorilla Monsoon, showing up a little late to the show this week. He can do that. He's the host, whatever. And really fun physical cell job there by Bobby Heenan. Physical comedy right up there with his verbal comedy as well. And what is that on Gorilla's head? Well, it's not a rug, but I had noticed Gorilla Monsoon had recently gotten a haircut. And this week, he seems to have had his bald spots on the top filled in with some kind of fake hair-type spray. And of the wrong color, a little too light on top there for Gorilla Monsoon. So go back to the OG. Original Gorilla is what I wrote here. And I posted some pictures of this uh, new hairdo here. Gorilla Monsoon, which, uh, spoiler alert, guys, it doesn't last too long. But Gorilla Monsoon trying to fill in the uh, bald spots since he got a little haircut. Of course, the shorter hair showing off more of the balding. Gorilla trying to cover it up, and this is what we got. But Gorilla can do no wrong, so we move on. The next clip, taken from four separate excerpts here of the conversation throughout the show, leading into the outro. Bobby Heenan has decided he wants primetime to move to another day of the week. Let's see if he can succeed in getting his wish
10: boy how refreshing it was to have someone like uh, Mike McGurk sitting there instead of you you
3: well, I'll tell you what's most blondes
10: but uh, she's a lot more attractive than you are He's,
3: I'm Depends sure how you look at it well <laughs> well you know you know I, I mentioned at the uh, start of the program when I was in my chair over there hosting that you uh, mean in my chair whatever but I'm kinda of fed up with Monday nights here what you know you I about? I have such a good time on the weekends golfing, partying, going over to the mansion with Bruce and Hugh and different things I do in Beverly Hills that I've decided now that I'm going to call Kay Kapowitz at USA here and I'm going to have prime time moved. To you another are? Day. Yes. What day would you like to be here? Monday's just fine with me. I'm very Good, then I'll move we it have to Thursday. We have millions of folks out there
10: that are very happy with Monday's.
3: I'm not concerned with their happiness. I'm concerned with mine. I'm going to get on
10: the phone a little bit and do some uh, do a little leaning. Folks, we'll be back with Tito Santana in just a moment. Hmm. Well, I believe you the too, tank sure. was empty oh, on the outlaw. Yeah. He might well have gotten back into the ring.
3: Well, see, Mondays are just, you know, it's coming off the weekend and everything, and I What just, are you... With travel and everything. I Thursdays—I think Thursdays would be the best I You mean you me.
10: get drunk on Sundays. Isn't that what you mean?
3: Hold on. The weekend's too heavy for you? Oh, it's traveling and everything. I'm busy. I'm yeah, bu- sure. Don't mind him. So, Thursdays would be the best The Brain for me. obviously
10: pleading his case with... Can uh, be Comble, a lot better. The, uh, mm-hmm. head honcho here with sure. the USA Network. I don't know what to what end it will come. Mondays are just fine for me. I don't particularly care to. to, The monsoon doesn't matter one way or the other. He has nothing to do. I didn't say that. What he does. I did not make that remark.
3: But I think I should have some leverage. Lying,
10: lying as usual. Lying individual. individual. Plenty more action still to come here on Primetime Wrestling this week, and it'll all be coming your way in just a moment. Please, it's for you. You can bet on it. Anytime Hello? the Hart Foundation gets in trouble, they immediately go to Dangerous Danny Davis. Yes, And, of course, okay. the colonel's... Brain oh, here. Obviously, speaking with yes. Kay Kopwitz. Well, same
3: to you. Mm-hmm.
10: Head person. Oh, USA great. Airport. I knew it. I knew you could do it head for Head lady, me. I might add.
3: I appreciate that. Pleading see, his case. See, that's a good day for me, because Monday's uh, it's a little rough. Monday's you know, a, a good not, day for me. me. Well, it doesn't matter about him. He doesn't do nothing anyway. He just hangs around the house. And he does Really doesn't matter to him. Okay, I appreciate that. Can't believe that. this. That's going to be just great. Can't believe this and, is um, happening. The little thing we talked about—it's on.
10: Please. Give okay, please. Bye, bye. What is it?
3: We're moving to Thursdays.
10: We're we're moving to Thursdays. Yes,
3: we are. Prime time Prime wrestling. Prime time wrestling is moving to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Thursdays. What date? Um, tell me that I don't have to am back on that.
10: Well, folks, that wraps it up for another week here on Primetime Wrestling. And during our last break, I did, in fact, uh, speak by phone with Kay Kopwitz, the president of the USA Network. And it is true, we are moving to Thursday night, starting September 17th. <clears throat> 9 p.m. You know, any time that, that Kay would have to bow to the whims of the crybaby that you are, you know, that's like feeding strawberries to pigs, really, in my well, book. Well,
3: she never bowed to a whim. She didn't give in. She just realized that my suggestion for Thursday nights would be better for the program. I Und- understand
10: that you've been pestering her, pestering her for quite well, some time. I don't time. pester people. Yes, you do.
3: I never pester anybody. Do I pester you?
10: Yeah. Oh, do you ever. Don't forget, folks, we'll be returning next air day to Primetime Wrestling, Thursday,
1: September 17th. Until then, so long, everyone. I'm on the cover. And there you have it. The USA Network and the WWF using Bobby Heenan as their scapegoat to blame Primetime Wrestling for moving from Monday nights to Thursday nights, beginning next week. Talk about advance notice, and we'll see how long that lasts. I give it mm, two months. Also during this episode of Primetime, plenty of fun discussion of Bobby Heenan on the cover of the new WWF magazine. Losing Paul Orndorff, Bam Bam Bigelow declining the services of the brain. Lots of mention of Andre the Giant this week as well on TV. We even see a clip from the Boston Garden of some fans with Ban the Weasel t-shirts. So it's Bash the Brain all episode long here. It feels like anyway on this edition of Primetime Wrestling. Also here on Primetime this week, a couple of exclusive matches. Both taped August the 26th, Fresno, California, at the Seland Arena. It's Bob Orton over Jerry Allen with a superplex at about 5 minutes and 19 seconds. Now, before the matchup, kind of fun, we see an altercation there between Orton and Morocco. Morocco escorted away before Orton picking up that win over Allen. Also this week on commentary, it's Gorilla Monsoon along with Mike McGurk. And it's more of the same commentary team for the other exclusive match, which is also from Fresno, California. It's tag team champion Hart Foundation with Danny Davis and Jimmy Hart in their corner, defeating the fabulous Rougeau brothers on a countout. Match went about nine and a half minutes. Jacques Rougeau chasing Danny Davis away from the ring and getting counted out in the process. And uh, this time, no, wait, it's Bruce Pritchard and Mike McGurk on commentary for this one. So fans can now begin to know the voice of one Bruce Pritchard as well. As we move on to the following week, got another week of TV here to cover on The Grenade here this week. It's Superstars of Wrestling for September the 12th, also tape back August the 26th, Fresno, California, Selland Arena. It's Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, Bruno Sammartino on commentary. And right away in the ring, it's the TV debut of Bam Bam Bigelow. Oliver Humperdinck in this corner going to take on Nikolai Volkov with the Doctor of Style Slick as we hear the Soviet national anthem from Nikolai as Bam Bam Bigelow making his way down without music for his debut, but looking damn angry as he heads into the ring. But Volkov attacks. However, it's Bigelow sending Nikolai out of the ring before busting out a cartwheel, showing off that agility, and then Nikolai back in the ring with a pair of tackles that don't seem to budge the bammer, but then Bigelow with a tackle of his own that drops the Russian to the mat. Now that's how you get a guy over. Bigelow plowing through a 300-plus pound Nikolai Volkov there. But Volkov finally going to the eyes for some generic clubbering offense. But it's Bigelow bouncing right back with a standing dropkick. Very impressive. Sending Volkov over the top rope and back out to the floor. And the crowd is eating up Bam Bam Bigelow as Slick is in disbelief on the outside. Volkov shooting Bigelow into the ropes. But the bammer with a somersault tumble underneath Volkov's clothesline and catches Big Nick with a jumping headbutt on the rebound, going to get the win in just four minutes even. Bam Bam Bigelow pinning Nikolai Volkov here with relative ease, and then post-match the Bammer chasing Slick away before celebrating with Oliver Humperdick. And so Nikolai has barely been on TV since the Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Duggan were fired near the end of May. And of course, Volkov not at the top of the list of guys who are going to make you look good, especially in your debut match. He may even be at the very bottom of that list. Horrific bumps here by Volkov, but I love the idea of sticking Bigelow straight in the ring with an established name of Volkov's size, for that matter, and getting the definitive win. And Nikolai getting very little offense in here, meaning Bigelow comes off as a beast as it should be, and it shows you Bam Bam Bigelow isn't here to play, and he's already in that upper tier of talent. So maybe not the best choice, of an opponent here for the debut for the Bammer, but I like the way this is trending. As we go off to Craig, did George standing by up on the stage this week? Craig's guest, the million dollar man Ted DiBiase, and his bodyguard Virgil. DiBiase reminding us that he's rich, we're poor, and that makes him better than any one of us. Ted goes on to say, Young or old, kids are just like their parents. Even kids have a price for the million dollar man. Is DiBiase then offering a young boy $300 if he can do 10 push-ups?
4: You want to make some money from the million-dollar man? You can do some push-ups for me. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, kid. I'm going to give you one, no, I'm gonna, two. No, Virgil, I'll tell you what. We're gonna, I'll give you $300, kid. And you look like you could use $300. I bet you and your parents both could use $300. bucks. i will give you 300 bucks if you can get down there and give me 10 push-ups. Now get down there and give me 10 push-ups. One, yeah. two. didn't get the 10 now, did we? We gave it a real good try, didn't we? I did my best. He did his best. But he didn't get the 10. What do you think, Virgil? Did he earn the $300? You know what, Virgil? I'm going to have to agree with you because you see, kid. Doing your best just ain't good enough for the million-dollar man. You don't get the money. You know what else? You're just like all of these other people in this crowd. As well as being poor, you're all a bunch of suckers.
1: (laughs) The kid agrees gets down on his stomach, and he begins with the push-ups. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, kinda nine. But, ah, good try, buddy. We didn't get to ten. Now did we? The kid tells DiBiase, I did my best. But DiBiase reminds him, you didn't get to ten, and doing your best just isn't good enough for the million dollar man. So kid, you don't get the money. Let that be a lesson, guys. Life lesson number 1. And I wrote fucking awesome promo here by Ted DiBiase as Ted closes the segment by stating that the kid is just like the rest of the crowd. They're not just poor, they're also suckers. And we get a very early DiBiase laugh here as well. <laughs> so the laugh creeping into the character as well at this point. And a really hot start to the show here this week, getting over one of the top new baby face acts and Bam Bam Bigelow, and then continuing to get over the dastardly new asshole heel. That is Ted DiBiase. You can feel the changes in the company with all of the fresh talent coming in. And I really love this segment because they found a way to get DiBiase more heel heat. He's not really handing out money like he had been before. Now he's kind of ripping people off or to be honest, he did tell the kid 10 pushups and he, he didn't complete the 10 pushups, but at the same time, it's interesting that they've decided in recent weeks to begin going with some younger fans, like kids, for instance. Really get some heat there on the Million Dollar Man as we head back to the ring. Six-man tag team action. Fabulous Rougeau brothers get a team with the Birdman, Coco Beware, taking on the trio of Mike Starr, Leroy Malion, and Billy Anderson. As we get an instant promo here from the Rougeaus, who are honored to team with a great wrestler and singer such as Coco Beware. And that promo was insincere enough. It sounded like it could have been some heel Rougeau's from 1989. As the match gets going, the job guys attack, but to no avail. Great leapfrog jumping spot here by all three of the faces on Billy Anderson while he's caught in the ropes. And then from there, Coco Beware going to get the shine here with a slingshot sunset flip, a really high dropkick, and a double flying back elbow also, along with partner Jacques Rougeau. And then from there, it's a triple dropkick from the babyface side. And Coco going to deliver the Ghostbuster on Malian. Going to get the win in 2 minutes and 16 seconds. As we're off to a very brief clip of Bobby Heenan. Going to put over Bing on the cover of the latest edition of the WWF Magazine. Just another way to shill the magazine. And of course this month, Bobby Heenan's face on the cover. And speaking of Bobby Heenan, back to ringside. Bobby Heenan going to escort out Ravishing Rick Rude for an upcoming match with Jerry Monte. But Rude is not alone. Along with him... It's the mighty Hercules, Harley Race, and King Kong Bundy all accompanying him to ringside as Bobby introduces also the return of Andre the Giant. And Kind of odd Bobby keeps referring to this as the entire Heenan family. I wrote, what, do the Islanders not count Bobby? Nevertheless, Andre the Giant making his way down to a chorus of boos yet again as he stops to shake hands with Rick Rude prior to the match and remains ringside. For the duration of the matchup as well, which isn't long. We'll get to that in just a minute. But Bobby Heenan showing off his family is Andre the Giant clearly back on TV. Meanwhile, in the ring, Rick Rude requests the men in the crowd to shut the fuck up while he shows off his junk and shit to the ladies. And then as the action gets going, it's almost immediate. Rick Rude locking Monty in the bodybreaker. And just like that, going to pick up the submission win in 24 seconds. And Rude, he ain't fucking around, guys. But that slingshot suplex, a hundred times better finisher for Rick Roode here. He needs more of a flashy move, and we're months away from the Root Awakening neckbreaker. So the body breaker it is for the interim here, as we're off to a quick promo from Larry Klein, who is the producer of American Bandstand. American Bandstand in nineteen eighty seven? I guess. He assures us people that this album, this Pile Driver album, is not a novelty act, but rather just a great album. And I concur for the most part. Although I guess you do have to love the wrestlers involved. Is up next, we go back to last week. Remember, it was the Macho Man winning a squash match last week here on Superstars, but during the matchup, it was the Honky Tonk Man in an insert promo claiming to be the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, better than everyone else prior champions included, and thus that would include the Macho Man Randy Savage. Well... Apparently, there's more to the story as we go back and see what we didn't see last week, what transpired backstage after the matchup involving Randy Savage. He heads backstage looking for the honky-tonk man. Well, we followed the macho man all the way back into the dressing room
2: after that match last week. He was looking, apparently, for the honky-tonk man. Here's what happened. Come on,
5: Jimmy hurt. Where's the honky-tonk
4: man? Where's the the honky-tonk man? Here? I'm not here.
9: Tell me something right now. What I, don't know. I don't know. I don't
11: You're know. You got a message for me.
9: Okay, okay. 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 Sandy Savage. You understand that? You tell him to shut up. You be... tell him to shut up about me. You understand I'm that? I'm telling him. I'm telling him. Yeah, okay. You sit down. Telling, I'm telling him. I'm telling him. You better shut him up. I'm telling him. Come on, hot dog.
5: Who does he think he is? I'll tell the honky-tonk man, you're going to be sorry. I promise you this. If honky-tonk was here, you
6: wouldn't do this to me, Randy Savage. I'll tell you that right now. He wouldn't do this to me. I'm telling you, look at my glasses. Look at my glasses. Look at my outfit. Look at my outfit. You're going to be sorry.
1: And another segment there that needs to be seen to be really appreciated, but Savage into the Honky Tonk Man's locker room, pinning manager Jimmy Hart against the wall, threatening him and looking for the Intercontinental Champion. Savage sending a message through Jimmy Hart, who wisely waits until the Macho Man is gone before he says that Macho was lucky that Honky Tonk Man wasn't here, and Savage will be sorry. Savage stormed off, referring to the Honky Tonk Man as a hot dog, so Savage in search of Honky... And dig those wild eyes in this segment, guys. Macho unhinged. Scary looking into the eyes of the Macho Man Randy Savage. And great little segment there as Savage has now responded himself to the comments made recently by Honky Tonk Man, and he looks none too pleased. I wouldn't want to be the IC champ right now. And speaking of the IC champion, we're off to the ring to see the Honky Tonk Man in action against Steve Gatorwolf here as Jimmy Hart shouting stereotypical Native American war cries. Through his megaphone throughout this matchup. And it's the Shake, Rattle, and Roll neckbreaker going to get the quick win for the Honky Tonk Man. As this matchup made for a constant sell job on commentary all throughout the matchup in regards to this pending upcoming Savage Honky Tonk Man feud. And I can't wait, guys, as we're off. Then back to the ring, more wrestling action. Going to see the natural Butch Reed slick in his corner, taking on CV as there's more talk of the Pile Driver album. They bring up this time Jive Soul Bro. Ventura asking McMahon at one point, what does he make of the song Jive Soul Bro? Vince responds, it's a little too funky for me, pal. I wrote LOL. Only Vince. As for the matchup, the definition of methodical here is the natural's offense. Slow and plodding does not always win the race. Afi back with some quick offense, but he leaps into a Reed power slam. And then from there, it's the natural with a top rope clothesline. Going to score the win in three minutes and five seconds. As we're off to update in Craig did George. we're going to hear from the returning superstar Billy Graham. We followed him through the hip surgery. We followed him through rehab. We followed him back to the ring. We're even following him here as he's gotten the better of Butch Reed in recent weeks. We're going to hear now from the superstar. Superstar Billy Graham is on the
6: comeback trail. Superstar Billy Graham has did his thing, been knocked down, been cut down, but I've been resurrected. I will not be restrained. I will be not contained. I have defied gravity. I have defied belief. Superstar Billy Graham is on top of his game and the future is mine. The
1: Pythons are back. And there it is. The Pythons are back. Billy Graham back in the ring, back in action, feuding with the natural Butch Reed at least for now, as we got one more match here on Superstars this week. Tito Santana, Rick Martel, it's Strikeforce taking on the Shadows. As we get an insert promo randomly here from Billy Jack Haynes, of all people, putting over Strikeforce as his favorite team in the WWF. Haynes also putting over Girls in Cars. I wrote, WTF, that was bizarro world. Listening to Haynes put over Strikeforce, and more so Girls in Cars. As for the action, solid TV squash here this week. Shadows get a little bit in before they miss a middle rope elbow drop, and it's a hot tag to Martel, and then eventually Tito in with a flying forearm. Going to pick up the win for Strike Force 3 minutes and 23 seconds. And as a duo, Strike Force as solid as they can be in the ring, but the response just isn't the same. Tito is too established for the youth gimmick they were going for here. Nevertheless, that said... Strikeforce still the best babyface team going at this point, by my estimation anyway. So that concludes this addition of Superstars. And with Survivor Series and multiple Saturday Night's main events looming, Andre the Giant is back. The Macho Man Honky Tonk feud is brewing. Bigelow making his debut in the ring. Ted DiBiase a bigger ass than ever as the WWF finally begins to recover from that post-WrestleMania 3 doldrums. And at just the right time. As we move on to September the 13th in Wrestling Challenge, take back August 25th, San Francisco, California at the Cow Palace. Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan on commentary here as we head off to the ring for superstar Billy Graham taking on Tim Patterson. And Graham with his tights pulled halfway up his stomach, hiding that gut there, is the superstar. As Bobby asks the gorilla, is Tim Patterson any relation to Pat Patterson? Gorilla Monsoon highly doubts that. As Graham channeling his former Kung Fu gimmick, doing a double thrust chop complete with Kung Fu action grip, and the bear hug going to score the win here for the superstar, one minute and 44 seconds, and then post-match, Billy Graham refusing to release the hold, having to be warned repeatedly by the official before finally releasing the hold, some may make a joke he was using Patterson to keep himself upright. I said some would make that joke, myself not included. And so I can respect what Vince is trying to do here for Graham, the same thing that Dusty Rhodes did in 1985 for the superstar all throughout the year there in Jim Crockett Promotions, showing their appreciation by giving Graham a job and trying to work around his flaws at this point. But Graham was already pretty rough by 1985. But after his injuries and that hip replacement surgery, everything that happened to him in 86, early 87, he's nearly immobile here. He can't take an actual bump in the ring, and they do their best to hide how he gets around the ring, but it's obvious he's struggling. And the crowd, they simply don't care enough to even make this worthwhile for the superstar. He's getting a reaction, but not a huge reaction, if you know what I mean. So I respect the man's body of work. I love superstar Billy Graham, but there comes a time where you have to protect certain people and their egos from themselves. And this is one of those times. Superstar Graham needs to be removed from the ring, and it can't happen fast enough. And I mean no disrespect by any of that. As we roll on, it's time for Demolition to step in the ring, ax and Smash managed by Mr. Fuji, taking on Pete Ketchum and Ricky Attacky. And Demolition's still rocking the original theme, which will soon change to the version with lyrics from Rick Derringer, courtesy of that Piledriver album, as the demos will get you. And as the action gets going, catch taking the beating first, followed by poor Ricky Attacky here. Nasty clothesline by Smash, and then the Demolition Decapitation. Going to get the demos a win over Attacky. Three minutes and eight seconds. And it was demolish and destroy per the usual here for Demolition. And it really never gets old, does it, guys? But they've got their act down just about pat by this point, and they need something more to do. And I guess it can be hard with the Bulldogs out and most of the other babyface teams being half their size. Of course, Strike Force already dealing with the Islanders, and soon the Hart Foundation as well. But we need something for Demolition, and it's coming, guys. I didn't say it was the best option, but again, it'll be something for Demolition. Stay tuned. As we roll on, me and Gene Oakland standing by with a junkyard dog. Howl
0: all right there are a lot of things popping right now the world wrestling federation i think that's understated a lot of things happening junkyard dog come on in the pride and joy of the southland and certainly one of the great ones in the world wrestling federation i've got to compliment you you have turned it all around you've been up at the top you've been down at the bottom and now you're on your way back up again
6: what's well, the thing about it, me Gene, sometimes you travel that long road you know you make the big money You drive the big fancy cars. I saw that. You know, I got a good looking family, man. And the main thing about it, I got that new wife, and I got my kid, and I got the good Lord on my side. I got everything riding on on my back now, Mingy. And I'm going up that road straight ahead. You know, the World Race Federation is getting bigger and better. You got King Kong by the back of Strive. You got the one man game. You got the big flash of Ted DiBiase. You got the Weasel hanging around. You got the Slickster. You you can go on and on down the line, and you still got the main man, the big hoster fighting every day and every night but the main thing is me Jean, gene the dog is back on track
0: the dog is back on track there you go there you go there's another guy that i'd like to bring up to you he is the natural butch reed he's managed by slick he's a very tough customer out of kansas city missouri and he's certainly no stranger to you he's no stranger to me mean gene the guy is a fantastic athlete he's big he's bad he's
6: boasted but i i've been watching a few films since i was laying home back in the cut against him and the superstar you know sometimes gene you know, all jokes aside, people forget exactly where they started, where they're coming from. Butchery's the true brother. But the only time I ever seen a brother exactly look like that when I was in Australia, I operated, don't come around here like that, Butchery. We're trying to do things the right way. And then with this guy, Virgil.
0: Virgil? You now, mean the
6: sidekick of the billion dollar man? Yes, sir. I heard both. Pete, sometimes they call you boy, sometimes they call you Roy. But no, Virgil. But I know Ted's problem. He's trying to compensate for that beautiful wife he lost and unbought um, himself one virgin.
0: All right, I thank you, Junkyard Dog. We're right back.
1: So, JYD, back on track, thanking the good Lord above and talking about his wife and daughter, even brings up the natural Butch Reed here. He calls Reed a true brother from way back, but at some point he forgot where he came from, likely in reference to that bleach blonde hair and everything else going along with the natural gimmick. Then a really odd comment here about the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase acquiring Virgil to replace a spot in his life now that his wife left him. I wrote, wow, that was deep and personal. JYD essentially acknowledging that he knows Teddy outside the business. And rest assured, this will never be mentioned again on TV, but very cool catch there. JYD talking about the personal life of Ted DiBiase, one of his best friends in the wrestling business. As we go back to the ring, Jake the Snake Roberts is going to take on Iron Mike Sharp, and Sharp with a cheap shot early on, and then hides in the ropes to make sure Roberts can't get any revenge. But it doesn't take long. Jake going to take over, working Mike's leg on the mat, as we audibly hear Sharp sell the moves. But Iron Mike going to try to make a comeback here, looking for a backdrop, but Roberts counters with a knee lift. From there, it's the short arm clothesline, and the DDT, going to get the win here for the snake. Three minutes and 34 seconds, and then post-match, it's Damien time. All over, Iron Mike Sharp, and you can bet Sharp, he spent an extra hour in that shower after this one. It's up next on the show, another interview lined up here, another audio clip, Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with the mighty
0: Hercules. Come on in, for the Bobby Heat family, your manager on the picture of the Monthly oh, edition yeah. of the World Wrestling Federation. So what's magazine? wrong
6: with that, Mean Gene? Not a Hercules. thing, Hercules. A problem with I that? He should be on the front of that thing. He is the greatest manager in the WWF
0: today. Right now, what's happening with your career, Hercules? It's
6: just doing nothing but going right to the top, Mean Gene Oakland. You know, I've been around the WWF for a while now, and the people have been seeing me time after time after time. Billy Jack Haynes on the wayside. Ken Patera on the wayside. Hulk Hogan's coming up next.
0: Are you saying you're the man responsible for knocking out of action Ken Patera, Billy Jack Haynes?
6: Well, I can't say that right out loud and just tell everybody that it was just me. But who's the man that's been in the pits with him? Who's been in the battles? Who's been in the wars? And who came out the victor?
0: Well... You, you've done you've done very well. There's no question about that. But certainly I don't think anything has been settled between Billy Jack Haynes and yourself, Hercules. Well,
6: those things never end. You know, Billy Jack Haynes, he'll never learn. You can beat him in the head and beat him all over the place, and he'll never learn. He'll just keep coming back for more, and so will that Ken Patera. But one of these days, what happens when they can't?
0: <laughs> all right, the mighty Hercules from the Bobby Heenan family. Stay tuned. We're right back.
1: Hercules still planning to go to the top of the WWF, but they've done nothing with him, guys, since the peak of the feud with Billy Jack Haynes all the way back at WrestleMania 3. Coming out, it seemed hot like we were going to get those chain matches, and we do, but they really don't play it up on TV. The feud kind of dissolves, and both guys kind of forgotten about after that fact. And then back to the ring for action involving the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase, Virgil in his corner taking on leaping Lanny Poffo and we get an insert promo here from some of the fans in the crowd who claim they can't be bought. To quote the gorilla, highly unlikely. As Virgil's still looking like a badass at this point in his career, just standing there with that scowl on his face and his arms crossed, those jacked-up guns on verge here, as Lanny Poffo has a poem that shuns Ted DiBiase, referring to him as the million-dollar jerk, which only upsets DiBiase as Teddy tries to attack, but Poffo retaliates. With a backdrop and a pair of drop kicks, sending DiBiase out to the floor. And then once back inside, though, the Million Dollar Man gonna take control with a series of elbow drops. And then it's the power slam. DiBiase then locking in the spinning toe hold, spinning toe hold submission, gonna get the win. I wrote ew. DiBiase scoring the win here, two minutes and twenty seconds. I'm not sure why they're changing finishers for so many people. When the originals were just fine, they went from pinfalls to submissions. Rude, he had that awesome slingshot suplex, now he's relegated to the bodybreaker. Now, Ted DiBiase had basically what will be the million-dollar dream into a Russian leg sweep, and now it's a fucking spinning toehold. The same fucking 1971 Amarillo, guys. Although I will say, of anyone who does it, DiBiase does it the best. He made it more believable than it had any right being here by this point in wrestling history. Good win there for the Million Dollar Man as we roll on. Craig DeGeorge up on the interview stage. They're making good use of this now. Honky talk Man, the Intercontinental Champion, along with Colonel Jimmy Hart up here, is DeGeorge asking Honky about the claim of being the G-I-C-C-O-A-T, the Gitcoat. if you will. That's the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Honky reiterating the claims yet again here, making sure everyone knows he truly is the greatest. The claim has raised the ire of former champions, most specifically the Macho Man Randy Savage, Honky responds, Big deal! Who cares what a former champion has to say? As Jimmy Hart then bashes Savage for being managed by a woman! Honky then changes gear, talking his new hit single on the Piledriver album, and it is indeed Honky doing the vocals for this one. And thus far, we've only seen a couple of quick VTRs of Honky talking himself up, But here it is in front of the fans, going to get a real reaction here, mentioning the likes of the Macho Man and, of course, Miss Elizabeth, which will certainly be addressed before too long, as we already know. Up next on Wrestling Challenge is a replay of Bam Bam Bigelow revealing Oliver Humperdinck as his manager from last week's edition of Superstars. We also get the matchup between the Bammer and Nikolai Volkov from this week's edition of Superstars. So we're all caught up on the battle for Bam Bam, of course, New manager Oliver Humperdinck and picks up his debut win over Nikolai Volkov. As we're off to more pet tips by the British Bulldogs, once again, take your dogs to the vet. Make sure they get their shots and checkups, guys. My dogs got their rabies shots last Saturday morning. They're good for another three years. Then back to the ring, six man tag team action. It's the tag team champions, the Hart Foundation, teaming once again with Danny Davis. Of course, Jimmy Hart in their corner, going to take on the trio of Cowboy Scott Casey, Saviafi, and Carl Schmidt. Boy, let me guess who's jobbing in this one. We get an insert promo as the match gets going from Danny Davis. Gorilla Monsoon had pondered if Dangerous Danny had the jitters here as he makes his wrestling challenge debut, but Davis says he is cool, calm, and collected. And you'll be impressed with what you see from Danny Davis in the ring here today. As Davis once again being held back by the Hart Foundation trying to start the match, but this time around it's the anvil. Going to start out here. As Casey at Offie with a couple of quick tags, working over Neidhart, but a tag to Carl Schmidt will fix that. And there's the mistake of the matchup, boys. Anvil plowing over Schmidt, plowing him down to the mat with a tackle, and a tag out to Dangerous Danny, as Davis comes in working over Schmidt before tagging in the hitman. And Bret Hart gonna pick Schmidt apart, even nailing his patented backbreaker, before the Hearts then slingshot Danny Davis in from the apron with a flying splash in the ring which falls way short, but he still kind of connects with his arm, and Davis going to score the win here in 2 minutes and 25 seconds for his team, and, and that slingshot splash was not Danny's fault. He flew into the ring, guys, but Schmidt was about in the center of the ring, which took some distance to get to. So it was more about the placement of Schmidt than it was the actual maneuver from Danny Davis, who had some hops. In fact, I remember seeing him do a springboard move back when he was Mr. X. So Danny Davis scoring another win this weekend as he begins to be used on syndicated TV. Only about six months too late by my estimation. Yes, the World Wrestling Federation should have jumped on this months ago coming out of WrestleMania 3. Danny Davis just now stepping into a TV ring, if you will, almost a year to the day that he began his heelish tactics. And we're going to close out this edition of Primetime Wrestling. Got another interview here for you this week. And we haven't heard from him in quite some time. Mean Gene Oakland standing by with King Kong Bundy.
0: A man that has rode roughshod in the World Wrestling Federation now for quite some time. He is the biggest, and I mean the biggest member of the Bobby Heenan family. He is from Atlantic City, New Jersey. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 460 pounds. King Kong Bundy. Welcome back. What do you what do you got in your mind?
11: I love those words. Run roughshod. What better could describe King Kong Bunny in the ring, out of the ring, every aspect of his life? Now, what was your question? Let's get back to that.
0: Well, I'm not gonna discuss Hulk Hogan because I think that is a dead issue.
11: A dead issue? Maybe the heavyweight champion of the world is never a dead issue. I'm the perennial. That means always, all the time, forever, number one contender for the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. You know that. You know, I've been in Hollywood. I've been doing doing movies. I've been doing commercials. I've been doing a lot of things. But don't ever think that I forgot about Hulk Hogan and forgot about the heavyweight championship of the world. Although right now, you're right. There are other things on my
0: mind, like Paul. Mr. Wonderful Orndorff?
11: Orndorff orange dwarf. You gotta call a man when you compare him to King Kong Bunny, orange dwarf, because the man is like a little midget or a dwarf.
0: Don't say for a minute. I, Don't I wait. said midget. I didn't mean any offense to you, Gene. No. Can I, can I just bring something up here? I think it's sour grapes on the part of you and every member of the Bobby Heenan family. It's no secret. That Bobby the Brain Heenan was fired by Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. He's through with Heenan, and now he's got himself a new manager, and you've First got him... First of all, do you uh, let
11: me clarify everything by saying what you think is of no consequence whatsoever. It matters what I think, what Bobby Heenan thinks. That's All that matters, and let me tell you something about Paul Orndorff. He quit. He quit that long, that long before Bobby Heenan fired him. We had a meeting. The whole family, we all got together, and we said, "What are we going to do? We got to get rid, rid of the dead wood, get rid of the weak links in the chain." And the weakest link of all was Paul Orndorff. Look at Paul Orndorff. He spends all his time fixing his hair and putting on makeup and laying in a tanning bed and doing things like that. That's not what the Heenan family is all about. We're about winning championships. We're about making
8: money.
0: Wait a minute. Are you trying to insinuate that Bobby Heenan was going to can Paul? Orndorf before that Orndorff fired Bobby.
11: That's exactly what I'm saying. See, Jean, the difference is guys like you had to insinuate and beat around the bush. People like me come right out and say what they mean. You know, on the highway of life, I'm a Mack truck, and when you're a Mack truck, you don't need any road manners. You do what you want, you say what you want. I'm not insinuating anything. I'm telling you, the man was gone, the man was finished, he was toast, and he just happened to hear about it. Did you tell him?
0: I didn't Did say, you tell him? I didn't say a word.
11: If I find out that you told him about it,
0: what if you he, were the one. Hold it. Are you, you were the weaselly little snitch. Snitch? You're calling me a snitch? You'd be finished. I didn't say. More intimidation tactics from one of the Heenan family members, Big King Kong Bundy. Now he's saying that I blew the whistle on him to Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff That's something else.
1: So King Kong Bundy been away in Hollywood filming a movie. Talking about moving, I believe, with Richard Pryor there. But he believes he's still a top contender for Hulk Hogan's WWF title. And like Rick Rude in the past, Bundy here referring to Mr. Wonderful as Dwarf. as Paul now replaces Ken Patera in the generic Keenan family promos, vowing revenge for their manager, the Brain. So it's not just Rick Rude specifically in a feud with Mr. Wonderful, though they are feuding, King Kong Bundy also looking for a piece of Dwarf. as we talked about the house shows. For September 87, last week on The Grenade, we know there was a lot of Bundy versus Paul Orndorff matches, whipping matches, throughout the month of September. So this all makes sense. As we roll on, one more piece of business here this week on The Grenade, going to talk about primetime wrestling for September 17th, hosted by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, as we're off to the intro this week, welcoming us to the new Thursday night edition of Primetime Wrestling.
3: I'm Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thursday
10: Night Primetime Wrestling, where we feature the superstars of the World Wrestling Federation, in fact, the greatest professional athletes in the world. How do you like Thursdays? I don't. Why? I don't, because I had other things to do on Thursdays. This
3: is fine for me. I enjoy it. Yeah, I you look
10: Thursdays. you look bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I had a great weekend. Of course, most weasels look bushy-tailed anyway. What a lineup this week. It starts right in. Ravishing Rick is going to join us. Ah, newest member of the Bobby Heenan family. Uh-huh. You, you know, I noticed you haven't been asking for any respect for him, which might be good. The guy might get some recognition. Demolition joining us this week. I'm on the cover still. So. Naturally, you're on cover still. That's the October issue. The November issue is want not out yet.
3: Just, a lot of people out there can't you wait know, to get their I, I notice, you
10: take a good look at this. The look on your kisser, this must have been taken right after or in between when Mr. Wonderful fired you or whether Bam Bam left you or, or what. Because look at the look on your face. I happen to be in Deep Thought. Deep Thought. Looks
1: like you got your weasel tail caught in the door. And there it is, Bobby Heenan admiring himself on the cover of the new WWF magazine... Gorilla Monsoon mentioning the confused look of the brain on the cover. Doesn't look too happy there, as Bobby Heenan exclaiming to be in deep thought. I thought that was fun. His primetime has been moved from Mondays to Thursdays now, all thanks to Bobby Heenan. And as primetime goes on, we have an upcoming Leaping Lanny Pafo match. But before we get to it, Bobby Heenan has some fun comments about the resident Poem Laureate. Well, Leaving
10: Lanny Poffo, the to Port me. Laureate of the World now. Wrestling Federation, always an outstanding individual, and in for a tough, tough evening in Madison Square. It's
3: never night. occurred to him, every time he goes out there and reads one of those lousy poems, somebody They're not lousy his, poems. Kicks his butt all over the mat. Maybe if he didn't read one of those poems, he'd stand a chance. Never occurred to him, though, has it? Why are you always down on everybody? Okay, I'm sorry. I won't be down on... An, apolo- an apology, a rare occurrence. We've right been,
1: now, let's go your to your Madison Square. poems are square, worse right? than I thought. Oh. So true, Bobby, so true. Been saying that for months, guys. Maybe they wouldn't kick your ass so hard, Lanny Poffo, if you didn't roast them 10 seconds before the bell. As Primetime continues on, talk of the ongoing issues between the macho man Randy Savage and the intercontinental champion, Hockey Tonk Man.
10: Well, he made a lot of guys upset, Brain. He Not made me. Pat Patterson, former champion, he made him upset. Easy to make him Pedro upset. Pedro Morales. See? Uh, magnificent Morocco. Former champion, and of course, uh, Tito Santana. La Bamba. And the macho man, Randy Savage, was the one who was bent out of shape the most. And I don't blame him. Here's a guy that's only held the title for a few months,
3: and all of a sudden he's claiming to be
10: the greatest
3: intercontinental champion of all time. You can see greatness in the man. I mean, all those other guys were great champions, but Honky Tonk can sing, he can dance, he can do it all. I'll tell you how bad
10: Savage feels about this. Let's go to this special piece of footage
6: that right now. He wouldn't do this to me. I'm telling you, look at my glasses. Look at my glasses. Look at my, look at my outfit. Look at my outfit.
10: You're going to be sorry. Colonel, obviously upset.
3: Man, yeah, sitting in the dressing room, relaxing. Here Savage comes in, puts his sweaty meat hooks on the man. Well, don't... Uh, weighs a man by 100 pounds.
10: Don't you think that the Colonel has anything to do with what comes out of the mouth of the honky-tonk man? Well, then do it to some. If you got guts enough to walk in a man's dressing, you can go
1: right up to the honky-tonk man. You he was tell.
10: looking for him.
3: Oh, he knew honky-tonk wasn't there. Good thing
10: you're not managing the honky-tonk man.
1: So Gorilla mentioning that things have changed in recent weeks because it was the macho man who was the first man out to congratulate honky-tonk on becoming the new IC champion. But Honky, with his comments as of late, has made a lot of people angry. Pat Patterson, Tito Santana. The list goes on. And greatest IC champ of all time? He's been the champ for a couple of months. What has he proven? And then we heard it earlier on an episode of Superstars. I condensed it down here in between these sound bites. But Savage, warning Jimmy Hart, you better shut up the honky-tonk man and shut him up now. Savage storms off looking for the hot dog. Aha! As Bobby Heenan then claiming that the Macho Man, he knew that honky-tonk man wasn't in the dressing room. Classic heel stuff there from the brain as it has become evident, guys, a clear change in the direction on commentary with Bobby Heenan now bashing Randy Savage. Meanwhile, Gorilla Monsoon siding with the Macho Man. So fun developments in the Macho Face Turn here this week all throughout all of the WWF programming. And I wouldn't want to be the Honky Tonk Man moving forward. And all right, guys, we're going to close out this week's edition of Primetime Wrestling with a few different one-liners from Bobby Heenan over the course of the show this week. The first one I found funny is Bobby commenting on the team of Outback Jack and Special Delivery Jones, and then a couple of zingers about Mike McGurk.
10: Humpty Doo and Antigua make an interesting
3: combination. Yeah, like uh, peanut butter and gin. It's a nice combination, too.
10: Yeah, he's being facetious now. No. As usual. Almost had it. Deep Trouble. Honky Tonk Man, in fact, in Deep Trouble. Would you agree or not?
3: Waiting for them to call me back. The guy hung up. I'm not up. worried about
10: who's calling you back. when I'm talking about the match. And did you hear the nice comments that were being made by uh, Mike McGurk? My uh, yeah, podcast? who is that mutt? Mutt? Yeah. Why is she kidding? sitting there? I should be sitting there. It's a lot more pleasant to look at her than it is to look at you. I guarantee oh, you. I sincerely
3: hope so. I would have to start worrying about you. This
10: match a long way from being over. As Tito Santana well, she won't be
3: back. I put the squash on that.
10: Trying to wrestle away the intercontinental title belt from around the waist of the Humpty Come on, ring. Humpman. Coming back at you in just a moment. Don't go away. Doesn't, uh, Brain, doesn't uh, Mike McGurk uh, remind you of Farrah Fawcett? Understand she won a look alike contest with Reminds me of Drippy Fawcett. Please, why don't you stop?
1: All right, and Bobby, that referencing Outback Jack and SD Jones, so Humpty Dew and Antigua go together like peanut butter and gin. I wrote LOL. Also, in reference to Mike McGurk, Bobby first asking, who is that mutt doing commentary with Gorilla Monsoon? And then Gorilla comparing McGurk to Farrah Fawcett. As Bobby quips, more like Drippy Fawcett. I had to pop for that one. So lots of Gorilla with Mike McGurk on commentary this week for primetime. And also extra comedy on the show this week sees the brain reading letters and postcards from fans putting over Heenan's brilliant move to send primetime wrestling to Thursday night. Of course, Bobby likely writing all of these postcards. Also wanted to note here on this week's Primetime, Gorilla Monsoon referring to Strike Force as Task Force. I wrote LOL. Slip of the tongue there by Gorilla, but I found it funny. And then we have a couple more exclusive matches here this week for Primetime Wrestling. August the 26th, Fresno, California, the Seland Arena. It was the team of Outback, Jack, and SD Jones over Rudy Ryder and Daryl Nickel. Also, Tito Santana scoring a win over... Intercontinental Champion Honky Tonk Man, albeit on a disqualification, match went 9 minutes and 13 seconds. Jimmy Hart blatantly interfering with the Honky Tonk Man's guitar, allowing Tito to pick up the DQ win, though Honky going to retain the title. And that's going to wrap it up here for the first couple weeks of WWF Television here in the month of September for 1987. Going to be back next week with the final two weeks of September TV. Going to close out the month of September just as quick as we started it. Wow. And then in two weeks' time, it's our next special edition of The Grenade as we cover the October 87 edition of Saturday Nights Made of It. Can't wait for that one. So I want to thank you guys for listening again here this week. Again, I do apologize if my voice is a little nasal sounding here this week. Blame it on the allergies. That's all I can do. I should be back to full go here by next week. And another Grenade in the Books, just six episodes away from hitting that milestone. Of 100 episodes of the Wrestling Memory Grenade. But man, what fun we've seen so far heading into the uh, fall season. Bam Bam Bigelow has arrived. Ted DiBiase really getting himself over as a top-notch heel. It's safe to say that the Macho Man has now taken notice of the Honky Tonk Man. The tag team scene looking really fun right now. Strike Force, Demolition, Heart Foundation, the Islanders. And Andre the Giant back in the World Wrestling Federation, which means look out Hulk Hogan. And remember, guys, we're just a couple months away from the inaugural Survivor Series pay-per-view coming up at the Richfield Coliseum in the month of November. But for now, we're going to wrap it up here this week on The Grenade. Going to be back next week, more September WWF television. Going to finish out the month, everything leading up to the upcoming Saturday night's main event, featuring WWF champion Hulk Hogan taking on Seekha the Wild Samoan. But the one everyone looking forward to, it's the Macho Man Randy Savage challenging the Intercontinental Champion the Honky Tonk Man in a huge angle that's going to shake the World Wrestling Federation at its foundation. Yes, that's right, an angle that's going to trigger so many different things. It's going to be what the World Wrestling Federation becomes over the course of all of 1988 and well into 1989 as well. You just have to wait and see what I mean when we get there. But for now, guys, again, another reminder, head over to WrestleCopia.com or any of your favorite podcast streaming apps. Listen to some of the other podcasts including Monday Warfare, talking about the entire Monday Night War. Now in the month of August in 1996, the NWO has arrived. Also, listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Got two projects going on right now over there, talking Georgia 1981 as well as the Mid-South Wrestling in 1986. Fun times with both guest co-hosts Jamie Ward and Roman Gomez. Again, you can listen to those shows right now as part of WrestleCopia.com and the WrestleCopia Podcast Network, and of course, anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met. Also, follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Follow and like me at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. You can also find me there on Facebook under Ray Russell as well. And also, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade. And certainly last, but definitely not least, I'm talking that $5 all-access tier over there at Patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address, again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. It's $5, guys. going to get you all sorts of goodies, including all of my insanely detailed show notes for three of the shows here at WrestleCopia, talking the Grenade, Regional Wrestling and the Monday Warfare podcast. Plus, you get early access to many of the shows, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of the Grenade, digital downloads, Patreon-exclusive watch-along episodes, bonus video drops, and so much more. You guys get all of that for just $5, no subscription, cancel anytime, give it a try. I think you'll love the content and every penny of it goes right back here into helping me keep the Russell Copia podcast network up and running for years to come. And now with all of that out of the way, time to say goodbye, but I will be back next week. More WWF 1987, right around the corner. So until then, this is Ray Russell saying from pillar to post and coast to coast, you pull the pin and I'll pick up the pieces right here on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. I'll see you next week. Don't miss it. Be there!
10: Humpty Dew and Antigua make an interesting combination. Yeah, like uh, peanut butter and gin. It's a lot more pleasant to look at her than it is to look at you, I guarantee you. I sincerely hope so. I'd have to start worrying about you. Brain, doesn't uh, Mike McGurk uh, remind you of Farrah Fawcett? Reminds me of Drippy Fawcett. Please, why don't you Stop.